I'm Robert Dean with Dean Cattle in Seymour, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So great to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton harvest is moving across the state and it's getting to the nation's largest cotton patch around Lubbock. And it's not going to be a very good harvest this year. We'll take a closer look at that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Pork production is a big part of agriculture in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll check in on how the local pork business is doing. There is wildfire potential across Texas in early October, especially over North Central and East Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and we'll have an update from the Texas A&M Forest Service on Texas Ag Today. Lack of rainfall this summer has resulted in low hay supplies for many. Most hay purchases this season have been based on quantity as opposed to quality. We will discuss the importance of a forage analysis. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cotton harvest now moving into West Texas and the Panhandle. USDA reporting that we're just about one-third done, and of course that remaining two-thirds is in that Plains area. Pat McDowell is a rancher and cotton producer in Shamrock, Texas, in the eastern half of the Texas Panhandle. He says most of his crop did not make it this year. None of his dry land made it, and only about half of his irrigated cotton made it. There's a couple of circles that made it, and they're not going to make much, but they're going to make some. But uh, on our side of the panhandle, we just have to have a little rain assistance for any of our pivots. So we'll be harvesting some cotton, but not a lot. McDowell also planted some early wheat this year, hoping to get some grazing here in the fall, but he says that's probably not going to happen. Our wheat pasture is, we've got a lot of it planted, it's coming up. We're just not going to get any early grazing, it doesn't look like. So that kind of puts a damper on things also, but uh, maybe it'll rain. This week's crop progress report shows that 48% of the Texas wheat acreage has been planted. 18% of that has emerged. Fall calf runs are underway at livestock auctions across Texas, and that usually causes feeder cattle and calf prices to drop as we move through the fourth quarter of the year. But that may not be the case this year. Texas A&M livestock economist David Anderson says we may see some counter-seasonal movement in the market this fall. I think there's a pretty good possibility of that. And even if we were to decline some 
normally seasonally into the fall like normal, I think the chance is certainly there, the, the probability that we get a smaller than normal decline. But I certainly think we have an opportunity for a counter seasonal movement just because a lot of those animals are already gone. And so we'll have fewer supplies for sale. Anderson also expects the runs to be much lighter this year because of early culling due to the drought. USDA is investing up to $2.8 billion in 70 selected projects under the first pool of the Partnerships for Climate Smart Commodities funding opportunity. Several of these projects will be conducted here in Texas. Texas A&M AgriLife Research will lead the Texas Climate Smart Initiative, which is a five-year multi-commodity project to transition Texas agricultural sector to climate-smart agriculture and forestry practices and develop new markets for climate-smart commodities. The commodities included in the $65 million project here in the state are citrus, cotton, corn, dairy, forestry, grapes, hemp, olives, pecan, rice, sorghum, vegetables, and wheat. Pork production is a big part of agriculture on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt takes a look at how the Texas panhandle pork industry is doing. Pork production is big in our area, especially in the northern panhandle where several large farms are located. To get a status update, I turned to Peter Baumert, a Dalhart pork producer and an executive board member of the Texas Pork Producers Association. Here's Baumert's take on how the local pork industry is doing. Well, James, really, I would say it's stable. I don't think we're going to see any significant expansion or reduction of the sow herd in this area. I don't see that in the cards right now. So I would call it stable. And while there's perhaps no big news as to herd size, encouraging developments have occurred in other aspects. There's been some long-term investing going on by some of the larger producers. Not expansion, but updating older facilities to stay current and viable into the future. That's always a great sign. That's optimism. So good news there, but for the pork industry, there's a big issue looming that involves the U.S. Supreme Court. Next week, the court holds a hearing on Proposition 12, a California state law that prohibits pork from being sold in that state unless it comes from farms that meet California requirements on animal housing. Baumert says Prop 12 steps way out of bounds. Think of it this way. What a strange thing it would be to have the California state vet or the California Department of Agriculture coming to inspect and certify a farm in Texas in order for that farm to produce meat for that state. Opponents argue Prop 12 violates the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution because California is trying to impose regulations on other states. The hearing is Tuesday, but a ruling not expected for at least several weeks. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wildfires have consumed hundreds of thousands of acres of Texas land this summer. But Tom Nicoletti tells us the danger isn't over yet. My guest from Lufkin is Karen Stafford. She is with the Texas A&M Forest Service State Fire Prevention Program Coordinator. And uh, Karen, uh, although the temperatures have dropped here in the early uh, days of fall, the dry conditions continue across Texas. What uh, are you seeing there at the Forest Service as far as uh, fire potential uh, 
uh, this first week of October. So going into October and heading into the fall and the winter months, right now we're observing a dry pattern that's extending primarily through north central and much of east Texas. Through that drying potential, we're seeing critically dry surface fuels and some fire potential that could be seen in the winds as well. So what can people do both in the uh, rural and urban areas of the state to uh, prevent any wildfires from uh, escalating or even starting up in the region? That's a great question. So right now we're seeing increased fire response. Primarily, a lot of it is in East Texas and Central Texas. And the primary cause of that is debris burning. So people are out in their yards. They're enjoying this cool weather. They're taking advantage of the nice dry days and they're burning their yard debris. Those debris piles are starting to escape, get away, and those are causing the majority of our wildfires right now. But currently there are more than 110 counties statewide with outdoor burn bans. Yes. Currently, right now, we're looking at 112 counties with burn bans and more seem to pop up every day in East Texas, especially. Unfortunately, we are expecting to see this dry pattern continue throughout the fall and into the winter months. So with that, we'll start expecting to see more burn bans come back. They started dropping off in August when we had the flooding rains, but they are starting to pop back up. So we are expected to see more drying continue through the next month or two. That again is Karen Stafford. She is with the Texas A&M Forest Service in Lufkin. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hay quality has taken a back seat this year, with most cattle producers scrambling to find any hay they can. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says that means it's very important to do a forage analysis on the hay you have so you know what you have going into the winter. One of the first considerations when purchasing hay is that it should be based on individual animal requirements. For optimal production, forage quality should be matched as closely as possible to the nutritional needs of the animal. Low-quality forage can result in reduced animal performance and increased supplemental feeding cost. Whereas hay of sufficient quality, little or no supplementation will be necessary to meet the animal's nutritional needs. Keep in mind that not all forage or hay is created equal. There is great variation between forages and nutrient content can vary dramatically, even within a particular type of forage. Several factors influence hay quality, such as maturity, forage species and variety, fertilization, temperature, leaf-to-stem ratio, and weather at harvesting and baling. Regardless if you are buying hay or feeding the hay you raised, it is a good idea to test the hay to determine what, if any, supplementation will be needed. When collecting samples, a good practice is to sample approximately 10% of the bales from a particular cutting or load using a hay probe. Oftentimes, a hay probe can be borrowed from your county extension office. Samples should be taken from bales that would represent hay from the entire field. After taking samples from 10% of the bales, combine the samples and remove a portion of the composite to send off for analysis. Crude protein content is the most common thing people think about when testing hay. While crude protein content is important, a good estimate of total digestible nutrients, or TDN, is as important. There are a multitude of both commercial and university forage labs around the country. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Soil, Water, and Forage Testing Laboratory does offer forage analysis as a service out of College Station. For additional information on forage testing or available forage labs, contact your local county extension agent. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. There's a new leader at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
and there are some toxic fall plants in Texas that can harm pets. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are some toxic plants that can harm your pets. Dr. Bob Judd looks at some of the plants you should help your pet avoid. Although not a toxin, one thing that can cause an issue with dogs is eating a corn cob. Corn is harvested in the late summer and early fall in Texas. And after harvest, many of these fields have pieces of corn cobs in them. Any dog, but especially bird dogs involved with dove hunting, are typically exposed to corn cobs, and ingestion can lead to an intestinal obstruction. So beware of your hunting dogs ingesting corn cobs, and always dispose of corn cobs around the house so dogs cannot ingest them. Another similar problem is bulbs that many people plant this time of year, as ingestion of a bulb can cause an intestinal obstruction, and some can even be toxic. So keep your pets inside when you are gardening. Make sure that any fertilizer or mulch you use in the yard does not have mold present as this can make some dogs sick if they ingest the material. This time of year, there are lots of mushrooms growing in certain areas of Texas and some of them are poisonous to dogs and some are not. And the problem is identifying them. The ASPCA Poison Control Center indicates that unless you are a specialist in identifying mushrooms, prevent your dog from ingesting any of them. Some indoor plants can be toxic, so be sure and place them out of reach of your pets. And of course, rat and mice poison is commonly used this time of year, and most are very toxic to pets. As far as plants this time of year, mums can be toxic to dogs, cats, and horses, and can cause gastrointestinal, neurologic, and skin disease. Red maple leaves can be very toxic to horses and can cause destruction of red blood cells and anemia, abortion, and death. Rayleigh's goldenrod is not poisonous to dogs and cats, but is poisonous to horses. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a new leader at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. The search is over. On Wednesday, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission named Dr. David Yoskowitz the next head of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Yoskowitz, who has most recently served as the executive director of the Heart Research Institute for Gulf of Mexico Studies in Corpus Christi, will replace retiring executive director Carter Smith in November. After the announcement, Dr. Yaskowitz said he is honored and extremely excited. This department has meant so much to me personally as an outdoorsman and professionally. You know, the last decade and a half, I've committed myself to making the Gulf of Mexico 
the entire Gulf of Mexico, U.S., Mexico, and Cuba, and its people better off for the future. And the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department mission is near and dear to my heart and continue on that work. Yeah, the focus is going to be larger. It's going to be different. But thank you, Pat, for saying the words that you did. I mean, I am a a lifelong learner, and um, I plan to roll up my sleeves and get to work. But now I have the privilege to work alongside some of the most talented women and men throughout this agency who dedicate themselves day in and day out to protect our natural and cultural resources and ensure that the outdoor legacies that we enjoy here in Texas continue on. And to be part of that means a great deal to me. Wednesday, the commission also approved a temporary move for outgoing executive director Carter Smith. Smith, who led the department for 15 years, will act as the deputy executive director for a few weeks to assist in the transition. Smith's retirement will be effective in January of 2023. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time for another look at the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle markets were mixed Thursday after the U.S. Department of Agriculture released this week's lackluster export report. October live cattle up 65 cents to 145.32. December live cattle down 5 cents to 147.87. Feeder cattle traded lower despite corn also trading lower on Thursday. October feeder cattle down 82 cents to 175.72. November feeder cattle down 90 cents to 176.42. Box beef was mixed Thursday. Choice up 58 cents to $247.64. Select down 47 cents to $218.75. Now let's take a look at those livestock auctions. We're Walk in the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, I've got a glass of iced tea for you because you look parched and I'm thirsty too. And so is Colt Adams. He's bought the sale at El Campo. Colt, how was your first sale as a new ownership? Oh, it was really good. Larry, uh, I tell you what, the market's down in some areas, but I tell you what, it's just the fall run and needs rain in the high country, you know? Right. Well, walk the pins yes. for us. Well, you know, them one to 200 pound steer calves bring from a dollar seventy to $2.30 a pound. Two to 300 pound uh, steers bring from a dollar sixty-five to $2.00. Three to four hundred pounds steers, a dollar fifty-six to a dollar eighty-four. Four to five hundred pounds, a dollar forty-six to a dollar seventy. Five to six hundred pounds steers bring around a dollar thirty-one to a dollar sixty-one. And then the kid, good steers over six hundred pounds bring from a dollar twenty-nine to a dollar fifty-four. A big one will still bring you some money to the table. Uh, what are we anticipating for this next week's sale? You know, I've had a lot of phone calls, Mr. Larry. Uh, uh, lots of good calves still in the country on the coast. We do still have grass down here, and there, there, uh, there's lots of calves starting to line up for next week. You know, and we had a little sellout today. Them uh, 
And pears bring anywhere from 900 to 1250. The breads bring from 650 to 1200. And I tell you, a big old bull will still bring you some money because they they brought anywhere from 90 to a dollar five. Good deal. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for that next week's sale in El Campo. Yes, sir. You can call me on our cell phone at 361-920-1618. And that's the best way to get a hold of me, Mr. Larry. You can call us anytime. We do have trucking available however we need to do it. Cool. Thanks for being on Down to the Farm. We appreciate you. In Texas, neighbors, we appreciate you, too, for listening to us here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. My program, Walk in the Pens. We do it every Monday through Friday, and I like it so much I'll do it for you again tomorrow. Good day. Strong export sales, strong domestic sales, and a good export report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture led lean hogs to close higher on Thursday. October lean hogs up $1.57 to $92.37. December lean hogs up $1.27 to $77.77. October class 3 milk up a penny to $22.12 a hundredweight. November class 3 milk up 7 cents to $21.91 a hundredweight. The cotton market traded both higher and lower throughout the day Thursday and finally ended the day slightly lower due to pressure from the U.S. dollar and a lower Dow Jones. December cotton down 33 points to 82.90. March cotton down 30 points to 81.44. December 2023 cotton up 10 points to 74.81. Harvest pressure and a stronger dollar limiting gains pushed corn to close lower on Thursday. December corn down eight and a half to six seventy five and a half. March corn down eight to six eighty three and a quarter. September corn down one and a half to six thirty three. December hard red wheat down twenty five and a quarter to nine sixty five. March hard red wheat down twenty four and a quarter to nine sixty two and a half. July hard red wheat down twenty one and a quarter to nine forty four and a quarter. November natural gas up a penny to six ninety four. December natural gas down a penny to seven twenty one. The announcement that OPEC Plus has agreed to cut oil production by two million barrels per day pushed oil prices to close higher on Thursday. November crude oil up seventy six cents to eighty eight fifty two. December crude oil up eighty one cents to eighty seven sixty five. The Dow was down 377 points to 29,896. The S&P 500 down 38 to 3,744. The Nasdaq down 70 to 11,078. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.